0: Welcome to the Hot Lobble Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor. I don't know how we're going to fill this time, Jay. Don't know know. what you did this weekend. Actually, I do know you. You you helped me uh, cover one of the, (laughs) you know, one of the more interesting days in Padres history.
1: It was, and it's like I was thinking last night going into this week. Two weeks ago, we had Juan Soto arrive. Josh Hader arrived actually two weeks ago today. Juan Soto arrived two weeks ago tomorrow. And it's was like, Oh, okay. So things can calm down a little bit now. And then last week we had the blockbuster Fernando Tatis junior news. So I, I, I really hope this week is a little quieter than, uh, than, yeah, but that, yeah, that was kind of a, uh, that was kind of a shock to, I, I was, I had left my phone in the other room on, on Friday afternoon when the game was about to start. And I thought, Oh, I got to go back and get my phone in case something happens. And I walked in and, and there was a text from you uh, about that. So that was, uh, that was just a little bit surprising. I can only imagine what your, uh, what your reaction was when you heard that in the press box high above Nationals Park on, uh, on Friday evening.
0: It's one of those surreal moments. I will say this, um, and, and it speaks also to, uh, the skepticism out there that the Padres didn't know about this. And so I'll tell you how that day went down. You know, there was a lot of things to Uh, try to find out about right I had a lot of questions like I always do and AJ Preller was on this trip he is not normally uh, or he in the second half of the season he often is because the trade deadline's over and the scouting and all that Um, and I will say that he and and uh, you know the other people that are there there was my antenna was up there was something going on but in no way did I think that it was that so what I'm saying is that you know, their timeline says that they got a call at, or that A.J. got a call shortly before four o'clock. Well, I was around him at that time and and he did. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you that the mood around that group there, it changed like something gigantic happened. Now, at the time, <laughs> didn't know it was gigantic. No. But I said, OK, there's something going on. Did someone get hurt? Is there anyway? The Padres did not know about this until Friday, um, right? Let's just put that out of our mind. I'm not even sure what that matters. The real issue here is that Fernando Tatis Jr. has has let the Padres down in 2022. That is what his 2022 is about, uh, and what the Padres 2022 is about is going forward without Fernando Tatis Jr. Right. So here we are. That seems, and, and that's so such a dive into on this. Where, right. where to start?
1: Well, I think I, I I guess I'd start with saying that that he's let them down just feels like such an understatement. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the correct usage and all that, but it, it feels like it's so much more uh, than those words sort of bring about. And, and, I mean, he let them down. The motorcycle thing was bad enough. I, I, not being completely truthful with them uh, during the offseason was bad enough. You know, I, I mean, you can go back to whether he should have had sol- shoulder surgery I mean, there's so much going on, but I just think that for this one season, for someone of his of his stature and his status and his caliber as a player, to have just sort of colossally let down the his team. I mean, his teammates especially. I mean, I I know you know the media's aggrieved, the fans are aggrieved, and all that. But can you imagine his teammates? And and you talked to some of them, and I'm eager to hear what. Uh, what they sort of we saw their quotes, but I mean, just sort of how they how they reacted. And I was glad to see that some of them uh, called him out publicly on this. I mean, to to think that this is a this could be a special season and then to have somebody that you've been counting on and has already let you down in a big way for several months to do this just seems, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you rebuild trust in that situation in the long term, but in the short term, what was it like? And obviously you didn't have any reaction for several hours, but after the game, what was it like in the clubhouse on Friday night?
0: I'll say that I was not surprised that some of the guys spoke out and I was not surprised also in the reaction of, well, he hasn't been here. So, you know, no big deal. We just need to move on because that has been the thing all year. Uh, You know, these guys were disappointed in what he did in the off season, how it came down that, that they didn't, um, we're going to have him, you know, he didn't apologize to the team at that time in terms of as a group or anything yeah. like that. There were some guys that thought that was strange, but Hey, whatever. He's 23. Uh, he was 22 at the time of the accident. He, okay. It, it happens. We all do stuff where we got away with it. He didn't get away with this one. Okay. Whatever. He's going to be back in the no. middle of the season. you we'll move on. This one hit differently. He has a lot of work to do. I mean, from the time that he um, is back with the team, he has a lot of work to do. Uh, but baseball players are so predictable that they want their life to be predictable. They, yeah. Basically, it has to be. That's how difficult mentally and physically this game is, this season is. And it was like, we didn't have this guy. And you know what? There is some truth to that. He wasn't here. They didn't know for sure. They've had so many disappointments that it was sort of in their mind like, it'll be great when he comes back, but especially after August 2nd. It wasn't yeah. like, we need Fernando Tatis Jr. back. On August 2nd, so 10 days before they found out about this, their mentality changed to, wow, won't that be a great bonus to get Fernando Tatis Jr. back? Mm-hmm. That is very fortunate for the Padres.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and uh, I mean, you, if they hadn't done that, I mean, you would say they're in, they would be in severe danger of, of everything sort of falling apart, not just physically, but almost mentally, from the the standpoint of you know the world's crashing down on us. And w- at least we thought, you know, we didn't get much done at the trade deadline, but hey, we uh, I mean, how how many times did we talk on here and and elsewhere and everybody? Around the city, talked about boy, the Padres' greatest trade deadline acquisition. You know, look, the Mets are getting Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer at the at the trade deadline, and the Padres are getting Fernando Tatis Jr. at the trade deadline. So now they're not. They did get Juan Soto. You know, a couple other guys uh, who haven't been quite as good as Juan Soto. And but we, that's that's another story for for later or another day. But not having Tatis certainly doesn't sting as much as it would have. And you're right. I wouldn't expect all the players to just sort of say, oh, that's it. Our season's over because of this. I mean, they have, you know, they have won 65 games, I think it is this season, and he hasn't been a part of any of them. Uh, And so going forward, you know, and and I think Bryce Miller pointed this out the other day. I mean, this happened to the Braves last year in a different sense, but Ronald Acuna Jr. got hurt, was gone. And You know, they scraped into the playoffs and found a way to win the World Series. So it's not to say the Padres are going to do that, but it's not to say that they don't have a chance. You just would say that their chances are not as good, obviously, today on August 15 as they were at this time, you know, 72 hours ago.
0: And you brought up two things. There's the short-term and the long-term, and they are two different stories here. Absolutely. They're, they're, there's the Tatis story, and then there's the story of the 2022 Padres. And yeah. quite honestly, like, he's not a part of it if we're talking about on the field and going forward. Um, And so that's how they have to be. Then Tatis has work to do. He has work to do in the front office. I have never seen A.J. Preller like that. Like, that's you know how trauma focuses yeah. you? It was like that... Was AJ Preller personified that m- moment there in the tunnel? Three or four of us talking to him in the middle of the game. I, we we're like looking at each other afterward, and that was a very angry AJ Preller. Now, that's pretty cool because he was still very calm, <laughs> but it was the, the hurt and the anger was so evident um, that, that I mean, it was really something. I mean, it really spoke to how big this was for the organization and how things have to change going forward. Now, what does that mean? Uh, Some different people around Fernando, uh, Fernando being forced to listen to the people that are around him. It's not like Fernando Tatis Jr. hasn't been getting good advice. So, uh, you know, him listening more, uh, him, him, Really quickly realizing, yeah, we want you to be Fernando, but you also need to be an adult. Uh, yeah. Those types of yeah. things. I mean, yes, there needs to be a, a life change uh, for Fernando Tatis Jr. I hope that at some point here we can talk about, because um, I, I fully believe, like, no matter what, Fernando Tatis Jr. did the crime, he has to do the time. He has mm-hmm. to deal with the repercussions from his franchise, from his uh uh, teammates and from fans he has to deal with that he has to make some concessions if they want him to do this he's got to do it all that all right i've been there you gotta you you know you've gotta work for your redemption save your tweets save your columns save your stories for when you are cheering for or writing glowingly about fernando tati's jr in a year or two because mm-hmm. It is entirely possible that this very special athlete, this very gifted person comes back and goes, continues to go like this. And I look, the, the righteous uh, anger is, is absolutely appropriate, but release him, trade him. Like he's a bum. (laughs) I I mean, I shouldn't be surprised because for far less people have been pilloried uh, in in today's society, but like, it's still like, Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay, this too shall pass.
1: Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt, and I I think the bigger the bigger thing to deal with now, obviously, is is the immediate term, uh, and and what the Padres do going forward. You know, this is still this is still a team that should be pretty good, uh, and and it's one of the things that makes what happened over the weekend, uh, you know, more frustrating for them and and for for people outside like us watching is you know they won two out of three. You go into most series most series thinking we should win two out of three. You never want to go in saying we should sweep somebody, but the nationals are just horrible. And the Padres, you know, they have let several games get away um you know during this during this season. And I, I was trying to reach for my for my list here. I mean I, I have a list here of the games that they have let that the bullpen has let get away during the season that they've lost Saturday felt like one of those games. It wasn't the bullpen that let it get away, but you know, the offense was awful. They scored three runs against a guy who had just been pounded, you know, this year, they couldn't score off the bullpen. Uh, They got, you know, I still think they got a bad break on the replay for whatever reason. And I, I, you know, I'm not a conspiracy person on things like this and I'm not becoming one, but they have gotten at least three calls that have gone against them in recent weeks on replay that just did not fit with what replay is supposed to be. And and I don't understand why. And I'm sure it happens to other teams, which is why I'm saying I, I don't think it's a conspiracy. But it is unfortunate for them, you know, going back to the Eric Hosmer catch against the net uh, in in that game a few weeks ago. The Brandon Drury slide at home plate, the NOLA play at the plate the other day. You know, none of those plays, at least from what we saw, even came close to being clear and conclusive evidence or whatever the rule says. But all that aside, that's why it's so frustrating that they sort of that they gave a game away on Saturday. Now they're going into a situation and you know, whatever shock there was over Tatis didn't seem to bother them Friday. You know, they got off to a slow start in that game, but that almost seems typical scored a bunch of runs, won the game, let Saturday get away. Yesterday was a good performance. Now they go into Miami, have to face three pretty good pitchers. I mean, one outstanding pitcher tonight. He might be the best pitcher maybe even in baseball this year. You could make that argument. And facing a couple more good guys this week, they need to find a way to score runs. The Marlins don't score. Uh, They've gone 15 straight games where they've scored three runs or fewer. It's the longest streak in baseball since 1979. Padres need to make sure they're not the team – that lets the Marlins, and I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it popped into my head, so I'm going to say it anyway, off the hook.
0: 1979 is like three lifetimes ago in Major League Baseball. That's inc- yeah. When you're talking offense, that's, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, yes, and, and we've said it before, as we have all lived through this transition of Padres being terrible uh, to Padres being contenders – this is the type of series in the past where, oh, the team that hasn't scored more than three runs in 15 straight games gets well. Can't be anymore. Right. Can't be, but you'll definitely take a five, four win uh, as much as you'll take a two, one win. Uh, yeah. Two for 12 scoring position on Saturday. You, even then though, now you're going against Max Scherzer or even a middling pitcher. You go, wow, that could really come back to haunt you at no point until like the seventh or eighth inning. Did I say that that's a problem? You know, right. even though it was at the seventh, they got bases loaded, no outs, maybe it was even the eighth, or not, bases loaded, one out um, one for the out, second yeah. time in the game, and it was like, oh yeah, they got this right, because it's the Nationals, they stink, look at the Nationals yesterday, Blake Snow was awesome, he's been awesome, it's a sub one ERA over his last five starts, it's barely over two for his last eight starts. But those guys were so overmatched. They were yeah. so overmatched. They got him out of the game in six innings because they were just putting their bat out there to try to stay alive and at bats because they had no chance. Uh, there's a kid. Their leadoff hitter had been called up that morning uh, yeah. from AAA. Uh, there were, by the there way, were
1: four guys. There were four guys in their lineup that I had heard of before the weekend
0: there were probably two that Blake Snell had heard of. Uh, so, uh, and the way he pitches is very much a, let me see how my stuff is and how they're reacting to my stuff. Cause yeah. I'll figure out the two pitches that are really good that they can't hit. And that's what I'm going to do. And he's like, I don't know what these guys do. So, yeah. uh, you know, so uh, they, they, they are terrible and uh, what the Marlins are what 15 under. Uh, so uh, Padres are 13 over. This is, this is definitely another big one. Uh, then they go home and they play the Nationals again. So you know, yeah,
1: but it's a da- this is a dangerous series uh, just because of the pitching that the Marlins had, and the idea that the Padres just don't have these games and and stretches where they the offense just disappears. And and it's you know it's still pretty reliant on a couple of guys. I mean, Machado has been incredible since the trade. Uh, Soto's been outstanding. Um, You know, obviously just you'd like to say, wow, I'd love to see him have a couple more hits than walks because the hits do more damage, but that's just how he plays. And he doesn't, the great thing about Juan Soto is he doesn't make a lot of outs Uh, and that's the, you know, that's, that that gives your team a big chance to win when you don't make outs and he's been, he's been great. Uh, But, you know, and, and yesterday, look at Will Myers coming in and getting, getting three hits. They need more of that. They need guys to pop up and, and have games, like that Trent Grisham's been hitting the ball out of the yard recently, but they, they need to p- find a way to put together, you know, enough runs over these next three games. You would think to win at least a couple of them um, before Luke Voigt comes back to Petco and, and CJ Abrams, who's getting called up this week uh, as well. So it'll be good to see him play this weekend at, uh, at, at Petco as well.
0: I knew it was a lot, but I went back and I double checked here in the the Bible and, uh, 23 of the 49 times Manny Machado has come to bat since August 3rd, one soto's been on base in front of him. <laughs> that's incredible. And like yeah. lately in those five games, it's a it's more than 50% of the time. Right. In, the, in the five games right. and right. lost the one. They're four and one, I think, in the last five. Wow. Yes. That's Even why Manny talk- Machado, who right. and especially to me. Tries to give you a hard time, and ah, that's in your imagination, really, Manny? Because it's raining. (laughs) Oh, that's not rain. Can't help but say, yeah, that helps. So yeah,
1: (laughs) and that's why, and that goes back to what we are spending most of the show talking about—the frustration over Tatis, because we talked again on this on this broadcast, podcast, whatever you want to call it, and and everywhere else. Wow, wait till Tatis comes back, and you can throw Tatis and Soto and Machado at teams to start games. And now again, you're not going to have that. It doesn't mean the Padres can't win. It doesn't mean they shouldn't win. It doesn't mean they shouldn't be a playoff team uh, because I still think all of that is true. It's, you know, barring uh, catastrophe to a a, a few other players, but it, it still is, it still hurts. And I'm sure that they have to try not to think about it, but you know, it's still in their head, you know, that SOB should be here. And we should be benefiting from his talent. And instead, you know, we're having to play without him. And he's causing us to have to also answer, you know, answer questions and talk about him and think about him. Because it's all going to happen again when they come back on Thursday. You know, you and Bryce Miller were on the road this weekend. And I think, you know, a couple other writers. But that was it. You know, the rest of the media wasn't there. So they're going to get hit with the same questions this weekend.
0: Yeah. What you just talked about, Jay, we should have an alert on these, uh, especially here on live. It should be like life lesson alert and it should flash on the screen because it is. Yes, Jay, everything you said is true. And they're they're in the back of their minds is that, you know, guy let us down. It's why expectations are the enemy of mental health. Expectations <laughs> are the enemy of progress. Mm-hmm. And, and if we are going to hold these guys to a standard, like we clearly are Fernando Tatis Jr., okay, um, because I thought all of you guys wanted Nelson Cruz, who was a PED, okay, um, but, yeah. you know, that, I'm not saying that makes it what uh, Fernando did okay, but it's like, you know, if we're going to apply these, these standards to these guys, the, what we, one standard we need to apply to them is mental toughness. And so disappointment, boom, gone. And what they're saying needs to be true. Forget Fernando Tatis mm-hmm. Jr. Okay, that, that's it. And that's, I just, like, it just doesn't matter. It was huge, but it just doesn't matter.
1: And and we don't have to forget about him, though. No,
0: no. To- and here's the great thing, and I'm not going to tell you who it was, but a player was very angry at me for uh, wanting to talk about Fernando. And that's okay because I know, having done this before, that I become the enemy if, if you want me to be because I'm the right. one who is the conduit between you and the public uh, still, even with social media, uh, I'm the one who gets to go there behind the scenes and try to get the information. And, you know, you can't get mad at whoever. So get mad at me. We hashed it out the next day. And even though this player was mad at me uh, that night, the next day acknowledged he agreed with what Mike Clevenger said, what Joe Musgrove said <laughs> and, and all that. So that's, and, and, doing a little amateur psychology, which is a part of my job. That's why he was angry at me. OK, uh, you know, that's our job. Our job is to talk about it. It's uh, it. And we, and we will continue to. However, I also cover this team. And I'm assuming based on that, the emails have gone from like, you know, 200 in the first three hours to just a trickle now about Tatis Uh, And a few more emails about what happened in the game yesterday that you're still interested in the 2022 team. And the 2022 team has absolutely nothing to do with Fernando Tatis Jr.
1: But I have one more question about him before I will move on, because it was something I was so I was so surprised by Preller's comments because that I've never met AJ Preller. Uh, You know, I've I've seen him interviewed. Probably not nearly as much as as fans have seen him interviewed because most of the time I don't watch interviews. I'd rather just read what guys have to say. It's a lot quicker than listening to a three-minute interview. I'd rather you boil it down for me. But I don't remember seeing comments like that from Preller about his own people. And he always seemed to be a guy that was very much, you know, always had their back. And I think he... I'm reading into this here, I and mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think he felt like he had really gone out on a limb with Tatis. And Tatis had, had really sort of mistreated the, the organization in the offseason, including Preller. Not that Preller there wasn't some fault on the organization's half as well behalf as well. But I think Preller felt let down, but he's like, I got this guy's back. And then he did it to him again. And I think I think I was impressed that AJ was willing to go out and say, okay, this is enough now. But the question I have is he, t- there was one thing he said about revisiting the contract, you know, we didn't go after his contract this time and he's not making a lot of money. I, he's making 5 million this year and 7 million next year. I believe it is. So it's not like the big part of the contract has kicked in, but is there anything that the organization will, should, whatever do, Contractually, or do you think that it's just a case where it's not worth messing with it at this point, and they'll get their point across in maybe some other way?
0: In that, I asked around at the time of the accident was uh, the surgery was announced, and, and that you knew that he was going to miss time. And there were two things: a) it was going to be very difficult for them to prove that the accident led to this, you know, because it had been three months earlier; it was in the Dominican, all this. Right. And be the goodwill involved with a player that at that time had 13 years left on a contract and was the face of the organization. Sure. I don't see how at least the first part has changed. How they can now, four months after the accident, or you know, that which was three months, so seven months after the accident, how they can go back now and say, hey, now we'd like to recoup some of our money. I don't see right. how that's I mean, it really, other than I thought about it, how is that possible now? but I haven't really even begun to report on that in terms of, well, let me make sure. I think what AJ Preller meant was they're going to go back possibly see what the, the, the surgery, you know, I don't think so. Look, he's had time to heal now. He will have even more time to heal. You cut him open now and you're talking about him, maybe not being ready for spring training. It's like, okay, you know what? I think what we need to do is trust that this very young, very healthy person, you know, his shoulder healed. He's talking about going back, And examining both how the team did it and how Fernando Tatis Jr. handles things, including like um, swinging off of a tee and getting caught by someone in the restaurant videoing him when no one on the team knew that he was swinging off a tee. Right. Uh, right. including, obviously, getting hurt in December and, um, you know, thinking that everything was going to be okay. And no way do I think that Fernando Tatis Jr. was being malicious or or anything like that. He thought he was going to be okay because, oh, yeah, I'm Fernando Tatis Jr. and, and I'm exactly. fine, right? Probably not the first time he's fallen off a motorcycle. Um, you know, he's um, like, yeah, he's I'm sure. fine. Um, and and then ta- them, AJ is more talking about, we're going to make sure that this doesn't happen again. The, the, you know, the way that Fernando goes about his business, the way that we communicate, he, heck, he just doesn't show up in San Antonio. Now, I don't know what else he was supposed to do. He doesn't show up in San Antonio on Friday, just flies home. Team didn't know that. that you know, a little bit more yeah. of, hey, this is a partnership.
1: Yeah, and not and not picking up the phone and calling them, obviously, was not the right thing to do either. And I did see a lot of people saying, the Padres should force him to get a shoulder surgery now. I, I don't know that you can that you can really force anybody to do anything like that. I, I don't well, know you. what I don't know what the I mean they have talked I'm sure they've talked with him numerous times about having it done. Look, we think you should have it done. He has said he's not going to have it done. I, I don't know that there's anything in a if there's any way to force you know like if you were ailing could I force you to have a could to could I force you to have surgery.
0: No, I think uh, the only way is, and as our Mark Ziegler has done, a f- fantastic job. And you know, by the way, if you're if you're going to be an athlete and you uh, are going to get caught, don't do it in San Diego because <laughs> our guy knows uh, pretty much everything and knows people that can talk about performance enhancing drugs because he's right. covered so many Olympics. So he's uh, he's done. Uh, really good work on that. But as he pointed out, this drug was made, uh, this uh, anabolic steroid was made popular in East Germany uh, during the time when they were cheating. Now, so the East Germans could probably make their athletes get uh, so that what I'm saying is no, they cannot
1: (laughs) make Fernando Tatis Jr. get surgery. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, I mean, and there is no care, you know, it's like, it's, it's easy to say they should make him do that. There's no, they have no leverage in doing that. I mean, you, you just can't do it. It's not, uh, it's just not done. I, th- there's a lot of things about this country that have changed uh, in recent years that I won't get into, but I still don't think you can do that.
0: That's the first uh, thing that came to my mind, too, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs>
1: oh, I, I so wanted no, to, but you this, know I'm not going to.
0: As Andy Green, who I believe got it from Bob Melvin, would say at this point in time, we cannot force him to have a surgery. <laughs> Just to cover yourself, because who knows where we're going?
1: Exactly. Um, I don't know. What else? Is there? Anything else that we could possibly uh, possibly discuss? I-, I think.
0: I mean, if it weren't for all this, we'd be dissecting why is Josh Bell hitting the ball on the ground so much, and which he does all the time. But getting yeah. outs when he was hitting 301 when he got here, you know, we'd be talking a lot more about Juan Soto. Who, golly, we yeah. we knew he walked, duh, if you watch baseball, but. That and we knew that. Oh wow, this guy's got a great strike zone, and oh yeah, it is incredible to watch. I don't know what it's yeah. like on TV. I'm sure it might even be better. I don't know, uh, but to watch in person is, I mean, it's incredible. And these are all the things we would be talking about, and hopefully we will be coming up. But but I think we covered I, everything today.
1: I think he. I think he has um he, He's one of those guys. that's almost like Maddox and Glavin, where he's got the umps. There was a pitch yesterday. I think it was in the late in the game where he walked and it was clearly strike. It was a three, two pitch. It was clearly a strike and he took it and he got the walk. And I think that's happened a couple of times. And I think he's in that zone where he sort of gets that call, you know, on, on some I was those, thinking like uh, a Tony
0: Gwynn, like, Hey, you sure, you sure, you want yeah. to check with Tony on that one? Yeah. You sure that was a like, strike? You know,
1: I know, I know the strike zone better <laughs> than you do sort of, uh, sort of thing. And I do think there's one thing we should talk about real quick. It's a pretty good thing. The Padres have Hassan Kim, um, who has has had a you know a pretty good season certainly has hit the ball better lately really good in the field and it, you know the kind of guy that has provided depth for them and you know they could have had to you know force whoever CJ Abrams would have been playing all year and who knows what would have happened but that kind of thing i mean Kim gives them a lot of depth, you know, and even when he takes a day off, I believe he was off yesterday, wasn't he? And Cronenworth, you know, you can put Cronenworth at short and Drury at second that this team still has depth. And that's what we've talked about, that they still should be good enough to get into the playoffs. So right now our plan is not to do this again this week for scheduling reasons, mostly on your end, travel, travel things. And, and, actually taking a weekend off which I think I approved at some point I can't remember it but uh, but you told me that I did and you told me it was a good reason and, and I know the reason and it is a good reason I hope everybody has a good week and we hope that there's not any big news that we're missing on here but we'll certainly have it covered on the uh, on the website and in the, uh, and in the newspaper and we'll be back next Tuesday I guess to, uh, to talk about the Cleveland Guardians coming to town
0: thanks everybody